What have we here? Hello there. Morning, Senator. Greetings, We are the ones who guard the power. We are the middle. The beginning. <laughs> Who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. You're a feisty little one, but you'll soon learn some respect. So, this is where the fun begins. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is madness. What are you saying? Hey, what's happening, boys and girls of the internet world? My name is Christopher Marinin, and you are listening to the Star Wars Friends Show on the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. And joining me today are my Star Wars friends. I'm Josh, and I finally have nothing to say. Wow. <laughs> I know. I was like panicking really? in the intro. I'm just... I see I that. And I can't do the new gun ray again. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. I got you. I got you. This is Justin and Gormanda is a better chef than Dexter Jester. Change my, change my oh, mind. Fighting words. Those are fighting change words. Change my mind. Oh, wow. You went there. Okay. Now. <laughs> hey, now so, I will say, I will say this. This is an iron chef that I would love to see. Dexter okay. forearms, yeah. Gormanda forearms, dueling it out with whatever meat they throw out on the table. <laughs> No, so okay, so John Favreau has talked uh, recently about some type of holiday special return, or he wants to he wants to do something with it. I mean, he's made allusions to it at least. Uh, I back that hundred percent. Well, well, what are the kids saying on the internet? I, I'll stand, I'll stand that yeah. Iron Chef, or <laughs> I'm too old for that. Hang on, hang on. Are we going to call it an Iron Chef or a Beskar Chef? Ooh, right. I don't know. Yeah, or a Durasteel like or Transparasteel Chef. Yeah, Unium. Dunium, yeah. <laughs> Dunium, Dunium chef, Dunium dude. Chef. Yes, yes, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> How fun would that be, though? Right, like a animated version with Dexter yeah. and her. Like she even cooked with gloves on. Right, she had gloves That's, on, like Chef Boyer D gloves or yeah. what, hamburger helper gloves. Hamburger helper gloves. Yeah, crazy. Can we get a Can we get a CGI B Arthur for for the uh, holiday special? <laughs> a hologram B Arthur. Like uh, yeah, hologram yeah. Tupac, we bring back hologram Tupac. We got hologram B Arthur. The whole gang's there. I mean, this is a Disney Plus show ready to happen. So yeah. let's call I up think Tupac is canon. <laughs> <laughs> let's get this. Let's get this going. I like it. Um, Tupac, he can be a Wookiee rapper. Tupac, my God, is there? There's uh, Tales of Tupac, the comic series, came out in 1996. It was a dark horse comic. No, of course not. They only no, sold it on the west it. side of the country. Right. <laughs> right, right. So, all right, to all our listeners here, this is a um, this is a special episode of Star Wars Friends because we don't have any show notes. We are shooting from the hip. We are just going loose and wild here. Um, going rogue. We're in the unknown regions of podcasting space right now. Um, but I do want to invite you guys. If you are listening to us and you like what you're hearing, you want to engage in the conversation, you can hit us up on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Facebook. Uh, you can hit us up at SW Friends Show. That's at SW Friends Show. And we want to hear from you. We definitely want to engage with you. And um, if you are new and you 
can subscribe to us if that's something that you're into. We would definitely appreciate uh, you tapping on the glass of your phone or sitting on your computer and hit that subscribe button. Uh, It would definitely mean a lot to us. We're just recently realizing that we're connecting with Star Wars fans all over the globe, which is super awesome. Uh, Pre-show today, we discovered that we have listeners from Colombia. We have listeners from Canada, from Australia. We have listeners from Poland um, and a lot from the United States uh, where we're based. So thank you to Every single Star Wars friends listening to this show, we love this. We love talking Star Wars and uh, sharing our, our ideas and, and all of our fine collections with you guys. And uh, and hearing from you, that's the most important part, is seeing what you're into. And this has been – guys, we've talked about this. This is only episode 16, and we've already – we've breached this subject weeks ago, weeks and weeks ago. <laughs> after uh, after the Mandalorian debuted, after Rise of Skywalker came out, Star Wars has not slowed down. It has no. not slowed down at all, for sure. And recently, we've talked about the rumors um, that have come out, and I know that I kind of, um, you know, I listen, man. The Kenobi rumors that came out that, <laughs> a week ago, not the ones that just came out a day or so ago. Um, I didn't put a lot of validity in them because of the source that it came from, discussing film. Okay, I'm going to just put it out there. It's a clickbait site, notorious for misleading information. But, um, Justin, you definitely, in in our group thread, put out, hey, there could be – I mean, what did you say? You said there might be a speck of – There's always a speck of truth in rumors. Right. And and I was was definitely hardcore in shutting it down um, because, I mean – to me, Disney invested all that time and energy in introducing you and McGregor. They invested time announcing Deborah Chow as the director. We knew that this was going to be set up for Disney Plus, and we knew that they were in pre-production and they were starting to do screen tests and things of that nature. That to me, that's pretty far along, man. Like that project's been greenlit for a long time. And for them just to shut it down, it would have taken something very extreme, which is, as we know this week. Multiple reports from credible websites, uh, credible outlets uh, have said that, yeah, it's on ice right now. And to me, and I know, Josh, you definitely, um, it's it's kind of a, uh, it doesn't scare me. It's still going to happen, guys. It's mm-hmm. still going to go on. It's just going to take a little bit longer time, right? I don't think, I don't I mean, I don't think it's a project that the popularity would be in question because of Ewan McGregor being involved in Obi-Wan being such a beloved character, but don't eat, don't eat too much shit because the rumor was wrong. <laughs> the rumor said that he walked off, that he true. was done and That's it was right. canceled. And the actual truth of it, you know, and he's even said now is that he's even told people he was doing press at something. They asked him about it. He's like, no, it's still happening. Yeah. It's just being, they're just tightening, tightening up the scripts and it's not even going to delay the release. Um, you know, so while there was the speck of truth, it wasn't really anywhere close to what was yeah. actually happening. Yeah. So, That's and what it, I said it honestly, was. if yeah, if this was the rumor, I wouldn't have panicked. The whole like being completely canceled, and the one reason I want to watch the show, walking off the show. That's why I panicked. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not as panicked now as I was last week. <laughs> well, that's well, that's good because I mean, listen, you are a genuine fan, and even on the last episode, you, you know, you you disclosed to us that you and McGregor is not only one of your favorite Star Wars actors, he might be one of your favorite actors. Period. So I can tell oh. that this this project probably spoke to you on different levels, and and the potential of it being canceled is. 
I mean, it can happen. I don't, I, I don't think the likelihood of a Kenobi series now at this point, you know, this is a, to me, this is a, um, it's like, remember when the action figures, they used to do the surveys for the three and three quarter, like the fan, the fan figures, this is a fan show. This is definitely like, Oh, let's listen to the fans. What do the fans want? They want a Kenobi show. How long have we talked about wanting a Kenobi movie or anything? And now we have the potential of getting a series, uh, whether it's six, episodes whether it's four episodes it doesn't matter we're gonna get some kenobi content i just scratch my head on um how similar those scripts were to the mandalorian and what the premise is yeah and i i think it was you know somebody leaning against a door at lucasfilm in years wah 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 kenobi canceled wah, 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 wah. <laughs> right right yeah. it doesn't hear the full story so it went oh i heard some tidbit kenobi's walking yeah. and you know threw it out there and and that's probably what happened or something along those lines and um it's great to know that the series is going on and to your point chris we've wanted it for a long time and the movie i can see where they go you know what we don't want to do a full movie but if we did a six or eight episode one or two series you know season long show that fits everybody's kind of want for that kenobi series so i, right. I mean i'm i'm on board with it and i'm excited that they're still doing it my not so hot take you mcgregor as obi-wan kenobi was the best part of the prequels i think yeah I, that's um yeah i mean <laughs> natalie I mean, portman is a good actress but she had to deal with terrible love story dialogue which he didn't have to deal with yeah. i think he did a really good job playing in young alec guinness and he put a lot of work into like yes. his mannerisms and just like with a with a movie that with a a uh, trilogy that had such like issues with dialogue being stilted at some right. points, that whole like you were my brother Anakin monologue, oh my god! Like it's one of the yep. best parts of the right, whole right. film series. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised you would go that hard, um, considering this is a Dexter Jetster podcast. I mean, dude, clearly, <laughs> hey, who's the one person that had a scene with Dexter? <laughs> the mullet from episode that's right somebody needs to get that guy a belt though like his pants in the restaurant are just hanging down and he keeps i'm like man get get a little hand out of your pants get a little pip droid coming around pulling his pants up every now and then and and taps the nose hit the nose and then he goes away and you know no but anyway um no i i definitely second that josh i think that um ewan's obi-wan definitely captured all of our hearts i mean he was clearly you know, a leap above everyone else as far as credibility. And even, you know, you look at, you, you rewatch it. And I don't know what your opinions are on this, but, um, you know, Samuel Jackson as Mace Windu. I'm sorry. I prefer the Gandhi Tartarovsky uh, Mace Windu over Samuel Jackson's interpretation. I think that Samuel Jackson played it too cold. Um, it was almost a lifeless, uh, you know, and for someone like Samuel Jackson, who's definitely an animated actor, um, I think his portrayal of Mace was pretty weak uh, overall. But, it can also boil down to the director. You know, let's just be clear. George is not an actor's director. So who knows? Mace, Mace always struck me as a very angry Jedi though. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to be angry like all the time. He just seemed, yeah, he just seemed very pissed off all the time. So (laughs) so he's like hanging by a thin thread on the, the light side, (laughs) right? The dark side. Can you, can you imagine how much different those movies would be if if Mace Windu comes out and he's like, "Say what again?" Like, <laughs> like he was like typical Sam Jackson. Are you? It'd be it'd be so crazy. Could you imagine how much different the movies would have been had Mace Windu taken the opportunity 
to take out the Chancellor Palpatine, Darth Sidious, at the moment that he had available to do it, and he wouldn't do it. Now, I have definitely had conversations about this Jedi coup and, you know, um, what what should or shouldn't have happened, but, you know, that Mace had the ability to change the entire complexion of, of the galaxy. Uh, and Mace, I think, was probably... In you know, you guys can correct me if if I'm off base a little bit here, but Mace and Yoda were the two Jedi that had the the deepest premonition, the deepest thought that Sidious was it was was Chancellor Palpatine. And if you're there, you take the shot. You know, if you're a Jedi and you are you are balancing or you're treading this you know delicate line, and you see that things are starting to unravel on a larger scale, you take the shot. You don't you don't wait for this dialogue, dude. You don't give a Sith Lord an opportunity to manipulate the situation. So if anything, Mace Windu, to me, might be an all-powerful Jedi Master, but he was very weak in that moment. And um, you know, I, that's one thing that I, you know, history I mean, will show. The same thing could almost be said about Obi-Wan. And I'm gonna go right back to what Josh was talking about was that scene in Revenge of the Sith. He had him. Mm. Like he's he's there, he left him to burn. And just assumed he was going to die. Always double tap, my friend. Never assume. Always double tap. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, that's enough. You're right. You're right. You're right. That is it, a... It may, uh, not have, it may not have stopped Palpatine, but it would have slowed right. slowed a lot of things down because he would have had to have found another apprentice somewhere right. along the lines. So, Yeah. And uh, no, you're right. I mean, that is a, that is a head-scratching moment in Star Wars that Obi left Anakin to burn. Listen, man, if you have all your limbs severed and like you are burning in a lava pit and listen, Anakin should have died. Assume (laughs) nothing. Assume nothing. Holy smokes. It's actually kind of cold. He could have like, he let him suffer instead of just, it was cold. You're right. No good. Okay. From a certain point of view, Josh, I'll back that certain point of view. It was actually probably way more cold to leave him just burning and suffering. Um, you just saw the rage in Anakin too. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was. I love that. That Revenge of the Sith is a great movie. Great movie. Uh, I, it's Come one on. of my. It's one of my favorites actually out of all of them so far. Yeah. So, do you guys yeah. rank? You is it? It's my number two. It's your number two. Okay, so. I don't do the rankings because I find it too hard and uh, they're too fluid for me. It's way too fluid. It's like flavor of the month type thing. But I will tell you that today I was thinking about posting on Twitter rankings of the trilogies. And for me, it's, it's, (laughs) <laughs> especially after our last episode, the leak of Trevor Rao. Um, to me, the top trilogy is OT. Uh, then you got the yeah, PT, prequels, then you got yep. the SD. Yeah. Same so. here. I would, yeah. I would agree with that. All yeah. right. I so. think I'd go top three would be empire revenge of the Sith. And then probably return of the Jedi. Hmm. I'm pretty close to yours, Josh. Mine would probably be empire, a new hope. And then revenge of the Sith. There are, Revenge of the Sith has never cracked my top three, but I will tell you a surprising one that has is The Force Awakens has cracked yes. my top three yeah. at times. But now it is, dude. I listen, man. I don't like. I said I think I'm going through a Star Wars midlife crisis because I have now moved the sequel trilogy automatically to the bottom of the of the stack. Like it's at the bottom of the stack for me. Um, and time will tell. Time will tell. Now listen. I know I went off. 
and I had a change of heart on the, the Lika Trevorrow episode. If, if you listening, uh, if you're listening to the show right now, and you you don't know what I'm referencing, our previous episode we we broke apart this duel of the fates leaked Colin Trevorrow script, which is by the way verified by Colin Trevorrow himself on Twitter. Um, but here's the thing, man. Right now, today, I have buried the sequel trilogy in my Star Wars. Uh, rankings, if you will, it is uh, even Force of the the Force Awakens, which is one of my, which is it probably is still one of my favorite movies. But here's the thing, man: like we don't have the novelization yet. Disney totally, and and I guess listen, I don't know if I can blame Disney now. I was blaming Disney in previous weeks, previous episodes for this delay in the art of book, the novelization. But to me, now seeing the script. Um, that was leaked, and you know the the grain of truth rumors about the reshoots, et cetera, et cetera. I it clearly something changed at the very last minute with this movie, and I don't necessarily think it was Disney's fault that we don't have the novelization now, that we don't have the art of book. I think that um, it probably went even on the JJ side, probably went a totally different way. I just I think that the sequel trilogy as a whole, especially this last movie, was just a um, you know, a train without direction. It was just, uh, you know, dust blown in the wind. Uh, it was no, like, I mean, yeah, I said uh, earlier, I think when we were talking about him, I said force awakens was still my favorite out of the sequel trilogies. And, and a lot of that was because it introduced new stuff, new characters, new vehicles, first order, bunch of new cool stuff. It also brought back a lot of the vintage, uh, callbacks and characters that you loved, from the original trilogy. And it was a great blend of those two things. And then I think after that first one, like I said, continuity and directors threw things off. I think if you kept with one director for all three, um, you know, or one story writer for all three, it could have gone a completely different direction, but we got, you know, two different versions. It was, it was, Hey, we're at the fork in the road. Right. One person went this way. One person went this way instead of staying straight on the path. So I don't think I ever told you guys this, but I secretly call The Force Awakens Han Solo's eulogy. Because oh. during that whole movie, I'm like, man, Harrison Ford's in this movie a lot more than I thought he would be. <laughs> I mean, he was great. He was so great in the movie. Yeah. And he's just like in the whole movie. All He's like in like most frames of the movie. And then they kill him. And I'm like, no freaking wonder. It's his eulogy. They were yeah. like, Let's give you one real last good taste of this character before he's gone forever until they bring him back for a second. <laughs> right. Oh, sure. Yeah. He never truly goes away. No one ever truly really goes away. So, okay. We want to talk about this. I like this because this is a shoot from the hip show. So, uh, yeah. a la Han Solo. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite cinematic Han Solo film? We only have five, really, to uh, to choose from. But just off the top of your head, um, I'm going to just tell you mine. It's Empire Strikes Back. Uh, even though he gets iced at, at the end, um, I think that that, to me, is is Han Solo. That's He has the most um, – I mean, listen, he Harrison Ford's fantastic. Uh, but I think that with his – Flirty for flirtations with Princess Leia, his uh, stubbornness, his cockiness. It's on full display. He's like full throttle Han Solo. And then the the double cross emotions with Lando and all of that in one is just 
awesome. And plus, you get to see Han as a hero early on in the film, you know, trying to rescue Luke. You can tell he's a really good guy. He's He's got a heart of gold, even though he's chasing the gold. Like, this is an all-around, you know, unique character. I think Empire Strikes Back, to me, is Han Solo's best cinematic performance. I mean, I'd, I'd have to agree because it. I think it. the other two movies have, like, tastes of what's going on with him but like that movie kind of shows the whole picture he's still a little bit more scoundrelly than he is in the third movie and that's where you really get the love story plus it has his two most famous lines i love you i know and totally i thought they smelled bad on the outside (laughs) (laughs) yes very true and i would say i think mine actually on the converse of that is return of the jedi han really a little weird yes because what we get out of the five movies or six movies or whatever where we see Han Solo, right? In Return of the Jedi, you get the maturation of Han Solo, where he finally becomes an adult. He's mm. become a general in in the rebellion. He's, you know, hey, who's going to lead that ragtag group going down right. onto the moon yeah. of Endor? And, or, you know, Solo, have you put your team together? And he's like... Uh, well, I don't have a team yet, but he's already volunteered to do yeah. the mission. And, like in, a, in a humble way. Very humble. Yes, in he a wasn't very a humble way. Yeah. yeah. And I think in that, you know, he he's down on the planet. You see little glimpses of like, hey, I, I, I got a plan up here. I just don't know how to put pen to paper yet. And yeah. so like, you know, when he's trying to sneak up behind the stormtrooper and he steps on the stick and <laughs> he's like, oh, crap. And, <laughs> right. you know, he's got these plans in his head. And I think that's it's his maturation and him finally becoming an adult um, in his scenes with Leia on Endor. um, You know, he's still kind of angsty, but yet at the same time, you know, she's like, I have things I can't tell you. I just need you to understand. And he's like, okay. Um, So for me, I think in return of the Jedi is not my favorite one, but I think that's my favorite Han Solo movie. Interesting. Okay, good. Return of the Jedi has his third most famous line. Boba Fett, where? Where? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Actually, yeah, I just real. As yes. I was thinking of that joke, I was like, "Oh man!" But Empire Strikes Back has never told me the odds. I was like, "Oh, yeah." Which I There's so many. Good. Well, and he right. also has his uh, when he's unfrozen from the carbonite. I know that. Like I'm gone for a little. I'm gone for a little while, and everybody <laughs> just starts having delusions of grandeur. Yeah. Oh, it's so good, so good. You know, Return of the Jedi for me is one of those movies that it, it has a place in my heart. It's not. You're right. It's not my favorite either. But I, I'm gonna chalk that up to, um, you know, at the time Lucas was kind of like, oh yeah, all right, cool, we made this massive thing, and the, all the stories behind that film are it was kind of rushed. You know, it's kind of like hodgepodge together the actors were kind of like wishy-washy about it and um you know i don't like the way it's necessarily filmed or put together and i don't know if that's uh richard marquand the director or whatever but the opening of return of the jedi is still one of the best pieces of anything in star wars uh animated or otherwise you know the whole job is palace sequence and all that stuff that still lives in my mind so hard not necessarily special edition i can do without the cgi size noodles but whatever you know yeah. I I think one of the reasons why Empire ranks or not Empire but um but why Return of the Jedi ranks so high for me is it feels so quintessentially 80s movie to me. Very 80s movie. <laughs> and more Very so 80s. than the uh, even more you know Empire is just an 80 but like it it just so much and I I know that you're not a huge fan of 80s movies. But not at I all. Not am. at all. 
very much so. Every, every so. time I hear Bib Fortuna go, do you want a wanga? I'm like, all, all I can think of is Wang Chung for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, do you want a wanga? <laughs> okay, so good. Okay, now you brought me up to a totally, we're going a different direction right now for the moment. Shooting from Price. the hip. Shooting from the hip. We need to okay. do more of these. This is I know. This is, this is crazy. So with the Bib Fortuna, right? Okay. We got Bib speaking um, a language. I don't know if it's Twilight because this is my point here. We have gotten away. In, it, it might be Hutties. Um, it, we have gotten away from alien languages in Star Wars. Now, not saying that you ha- don't have Chewbacca. Uh, you're not saying that you don't have droids making beeps and whistles. What I'm saying is, is the actual alien characters themselves. Um, we're not getting a lot of it. Now we got a little bit in Mandalorian in episode one, uh, where he goes in the cantina, the cantina and, uh, that one character is actually speaking, uh, what he's speaking Huttese. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Josh. Oh no, I was just going to say like, I don't know if it's canon now, but it used to be that like Hatties was like literally the second biggest language after Galactic Basic. It's like yeah. a big trade language. Trade so like language, a lot yeah. of people spoke it. But it's like yeah, Babu. You he did have Babu. You're right. You're right. Droid. But, remember, go <laughs> the blank. droid is ready. Blank, blank. Yeah. I'm not that <laughs> girl we, from Twitter. I'm sorry. But here's the thing. Um why not have more even in the animated shows with the subtitles? Because if we do want to, if we do want to chop it up and say, yeah, you know, George made this to be a children's film or whatever, that's a great way to get people to read as well. I mean, especially young adults or children, you know, you get these unique alien languages, which are super cool. And then you have to read the subtitles along with it. Not only is that fun for, you know, an adult like myself, oh, cool, that's very unique, but also, for young for young viewers, it gives them an opportunity to read. It gives them an opportunity to to pay attention to more than just dialogue. They have to you know they have to pay attention and not uh, necessarily you know be given everything. I, I really like the subtitle touch. Um, the Walking Dead does it with they have a mute uh, actor. She uh, she communicates with sign language and they use a lot of subtitles in Walking Dead now. Or uh, they'll write on like a uh, piece of paper and show you what she's. It's really interesting mm-hmm. it's really cool and i think that that's something that star wars hopefully dave filoni and john favreau continue on in season two of mandalorian right now i'm going back and i'm re-watching clone wars in prep for what's coming up but i'm on season one and i i can't remember the characters or which episode it was but there were two characters and they're they're alien characters and the second one is talking to the first in the second character is speaking in the alien language. And then Mm. the first character answers, but it's in English or basic, right? And reiterating what the person says, but also providing the answer to their question or giving a statement back. And it's a very good way to incorporate both the alien language, but also converse to go, hey, make the audience understand what person A said, right? And by using person B to provide, here, I'm reiterating what you said, but providing a response as well, so you don't have to use the subtitles. Right. We we did get a, um, we did get one Ichuta in the, in the bar. Um, yeah, we did. On Mandela, yeah. which is like, yeah. which is like, you know, go F yourself or something in Hutties. <laughs> and then the Jawas obviously speak mm-hmm. the Jawas. Oh, like, you see, now that's, that's Filoni and Favreau. 
That's not the uh, current Star Wars cinematic. And really, you go. You, what's weird is I just um, watched Rebels season three and now on four. Not a lot of subtitles in Rebels either. So I don't know. It, regardless, it's nitpicking and you know whatever. But I would love to see more alien languages going forward in whatever the Star Wars cinematic universe looks like, whatever animation looks like. Uh, I think that's part of the fun. I think that's part of Star Wars is yeah. the the unique alien languages. I would love to see more of that. Now, okay. As, as we were talking, there's something else I got to bring up to you guys. Okay. Totally separate from alien languages, of course, because we're shooting from, shooting the, from hip. the hip. And speaking of which, this, what I'm about to talk is about is a character who shoots from the hip quite frequently in the video game shadows of the empire and of course i'm talking about <laughs> our buddy dash rendar who is a fake han solo in some people's opinions i just think he's more of a tom cruise from top gun uh type uh character but here's um i just found out today uh hours ago that dash rendar is disney canon do you guys know this was yeah. so <laughs> dead silence right here's the thing Okay, so I'm discovering all these little nuggets of information over the last few weeks or whatever. But one of the things I was surprised to find out today is that Dash Rendar is actually Disney canon and was written into a uh, young adult novelization by um, Jason Fry, who is a fantastic author, has authored many uh, Star Wars novelizations, young adult novelizations. I believe he also did the Last Jedi novelization, um, but it was a solo a Star Wars story, young adult novel called Tales from Vandor. Now, I don't own this. I own a thousand Star Wars books. I don't own this one because it's a, it's one of those books that are written like a journal from a character's point of view. But there is a line of di- – several lines of dialogue that reference Dash Rendar in this book. And it was um, – it was written from the perspective of some character that was on that cold um, gambling den on that mountain – um, where Han first meets Lando and they play the you know Sabacc game on that in that fort. It was like Fort Yepso or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Dash Rendar. Fun fact. Current he's current Disney canon. So let's get him going. Let's get that Dash Rendar animated series going. I'm ready for it. I want to see Lebo. We know that the um we know that Prince Caesar's race, what is it? The Falling. The Falling is canon because they're in Clone Wars. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they joined the Black Sun joins forces with Darth Maul and Savage to form that alliance to battle uh, Mandalore. So, you know, we got the elements of Shadows of the Empire. Let's go, man. Let's bring yeah. it. I don't know how you guys feel about Dash Rendar, but I, I don't know. I I'm a 90s I, kid. I think I read that somewhere, too. He was um, somebody in the bar mentions him. Or yes. it talks about him, yes. and that's where that's where it comes up, and that's why he's canon. I think, well, he I, also, I, think I did read that earlier this week. He also um, makes fun of Han Solo's claim of doing the Kessel Run, and uh, you know he like says something <laughs> weird about that, of course. So yeah. that's I would love to see. Now we're not going to get this, guys. We're not going to get this as as much as we're going to get the Kenobi series. We're not going to get Solo two, and. Uh, that hurts me. That actually hurts me more than losing out on the Colin Trevorrow script is that we're not going to get a continuation of this solo era, this, this, uh, you know, prequel solo era, whatever. Um, now I know a lot of fans have come out on two different sides saying this is unnecessary. We don't need it. We know what happens. We'd rather have our imagination. Like Justin, you're definitely on record as saying you didn't need the solo movie, but, 
Um, I didn't. I didn't need the Kessel Run to. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'm sure, okay with sure. the movie, but I didn't need the Kessel Run to tell me what it was. Like, I liked that part of my imagination, just imagining what yeah. it would have been. Do you know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot in the Solo movie that I did like. Um, you know, we we had talked about Beckett beforehand. I love yeah. that he shot Beckett while he was talking. It established right. Han Solo's character of who he is when you see him later in the original trilogy, and it. Um, and it, it was a lesson that he learned from Beckett. Like you can't wait around for things to happen. Um, and I also actually did love the, I, I loved the love story uh, yeah. between him and um, Kira, uh, Kira, because yeah. it was essentially like she broke his heart. And yeah, that's yeah. why later on with Leia, like he's like, Ooh, I like her, but I'm very, you know, an arm's distance away from her because I don't want to get hurt again. He, I think he very much remembers in the original trilogy, what Kira did to him when he was younger. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Thank God John Snow killed her for him. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I will say I, there was one thing that I didn't like. in so, uh, so solo was, I thought solo was good. Um, I was real. There were some things I didn't like, but on the overall, I thought it was good. Um, the one thing, the one major thing, if I could change one thing is, they, I think that they played into this narrative. You know, the the first Star Wars movie had Han shooting first, and I like that narrative of Han Han being this bad guy who becomes a good guy who mm-hmm. learns to be a good guy. But in the end of uh, yes, he shoots Beckett first, but but at the same time, if he can be rich off of this. Whatever I can't remember what it is. He the supplies or whatever coaxium. But instead, he gives them to the rebels. If yeah. you're a scoundrel, you're not giving up a payday to help the rebellion. Right. I don't think. Yeah. And no, so, a- like, it goes with this. You know what George started when he changed. You know he wanted Han to not be as bad of a guy. So I I just feel like it plays into that narrative, and I don't I don't like that part. But I gotcha. Well, Greedo's a wimp. I don't think that Greedo uh, would have shot first. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, well, sorry to all those Greedo fans out there. Um, Han should have shot first. He was threatened. He had to get off the rock and and you know that just get the hell out of there. Um, you know he was just Greedo's just your average run of the mill bounty hunter like that wimpy guy in uh, episode five or six of the Mandalorian, that guy that none of us liked and then talked shit about Disney. Um, <laughs> I forget that dude's name. Anyways, um, let's talk about if, if solo happened, if the continuation happened, what you would want to see. Now, I don't want to see any more Lando blogs or YouTube videos, him sitting in the cockpit, you know, doing the Lando Chronicles. That was too real world for me. But what I would love to see is Han Solo in a, and a space fu- not a fight but like a uh, a space race between um Lando the you know Lando's in his own ship Han's got the Millennium Falcon and then Dash Rendar and maybe another character and they have this like space race where they have to get from one end of the galaxy to another and you get like you know sabotage and you get like all this crazy shit I think that would be a fun um one episode you know if we were to go in a series I think that would be a fun series where it also adds to that like Han Solo Lando you know treachery and distrust I would love to see something like that. And you're well, you're you're talking about um what was the book that we read that's lead up to 
um, Rise of Skywalker, is Resistance Rise of Reborn. Resistance Reborn. They talk about the racing in there and how Han has established this. I don't even know what it is. It's like a racing circuit, I think. And they yeah, also yeah. talk about it a little bit in um, the Dooku uh, book. Oh, okay, There's yeah, a racing yeah, circuit right. in the Dooku book as well. And it's also in Resistance, Resistance. The, the show. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's record in multiple stories of racing circuits being uh, pod racing in episode one. Yeah, um, no, there's tons of it. Different yeah. racing circuits all around. And I think to your point, that makes a great fit that you, hey, he goes to make money flying the Millennium Falcon in these racing circuits. Um, but in one of the books, it's him later on. And I think Leia was concerned with he wasn't going to be able to make it back or something. Yeah. And then he showed up and she was like, oh, you're here. And he's like, yeah, I had to be here. So um, yeah. it was after the bombing, I think, in the New Republic. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, you know, you're so, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's actually a really cool story in the second one. So um, yeah. or Greedo chasing him around would be good, too, because clearly, <laughs> clearly Greedo had let him slip away the first time. And he's like, right, no, no, no. Right. this isn't yeah, happening no. again. Solo. So. <laughs> right. That uh, solo five shot comic series that came out like right towards the beginning of Marvel taking over is about him doing this really treacherous planet to planet race as part of a mission for the rebellion. He's like picking up he's like picking up informants at each planet and the race race is like his cover. Yeah. Um, But the the other thing I was going to say is that. You say, you know, you say, what do we want to see from Solo Two? And yeah. the hard part for me is that when I left that movie, I wasn't thinking about Han Solo. I was like, "What's Darth Maul doing?" Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to know what Darth Maul's okay. doing. Okay. Yeah. How much can? Okay, you're right. Let's see where Crimson Dawn goes, and how someone can explain to us this Darth Maul legacy that goes on between Phantom Menace through you know, um, twin sons in rebels, right? Like he's got this massive story that goes on and on and on. And he's linked in, in all these different, you know, um, criminal organizations. He's linked in with his brother. He's, you know, he's all over the place, right? That dude never stopped moving other than when he was in the bottom of the trash can and, you know, like built those no spider legs. legs. Yeah. Right. But I mean, really Darth Maul. Wow. Yeah. You're right, Josh. I didn't, when I was thinking of this just a few minutes ago, I never thought of Darth Maul, but that would be fascinating. Where's Kira? How is she involved with the Crimson Dawn? Uh, I know for me, my last two things I would love to see immediately is Han's first interaction with Jabba the Hutt and, you know, having this first score go good. So then Jabba rehires him only to have the next score go bad, like one of those type of things. And then, um, you know, I would love to see him paired up with Boba Fett and have it, that mission go wrong. And, you know, I would love to see um, all those guys back, though, Alden and and, and Donald. Um, I just, yeah, I would love it. So Darth, Darth Maul changes it's not lightsabers. Personal. He changes lightsabers more than anybody in 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 the star Wars universe. He's apparently bougie. he's, he's a bougie I, Sith, man. He's, he's worse than Cam. Boy. He's worse than Cam Newton post game after a football game. Come on. Wow. Wow. Love it. I don't, I don't understand that reference. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't, I don't want to see uh, Han and, and um, Boba Fett working on the same side and it going wrong. Cause then that, that implies t- to me that it's not a job. It was a personal thing. And I always, I like they've they've reestablished. It was established in Legends, and then it's been reestablished in in uh, D- um, Boba Fett comics that he's all. It's just about the job. 
So, okay, you know who else is all about the job? Han Solo. Why couldn't they? Why couldn't uh, Han Solo be a bounty hunter? Because he's desperate for credits. I mean, do you think? Okay, and, and I guess it's just a question to pose to you guys. Do you think a young Han Solo would be desperate enough to take a bounty and get on a job and get on Boba Fett's crew with Dengar or whoever? Right, like he's just part of the crew, um, just like he was in the Imperial Academy. He joined. Uh, Beckett's crew, right? Like he just, he was so desperate to get off Mimban that he joined this, this villainous crew. Who's to say that Han isn't desperate enough to join the, the bounty hunters guild or join a job with Boba Fett. Now he's got a big, uh, eight foot furry moral compass that I don't think would let him work with the bounty hunting crew. What, what better weapon as a bounty hunter could you have than a Wookiee co-pilot? I mean, that's I know, intimidating. I think, I think I think Chewie's above it morally. Imagine Chewie in the costume that they designed for him in Shadows of the Empire, where he posed as a b- bounty hunter, right? So remember, yeah, go back and read the Steve Perry novelization, baby. Uh, Chewie looks like a ridiculous. He's got like an eye patch. His hair's all spiked <laughs> up. He's crazy. So go back and take a look at that. It's nuts. I don't. Know. It would be hard for me to see him though as just a bounty hunter because at the start of the solo movie he wanted off that planet, but his main goal was to fly. That's all he yeah. wanted to do. Yeah. He wanted to prove he was the best pilot out there, and that's all he wanted to do. So I think either tying it into the racing theme or something else is a little bit more suited for Han. Whereas right. like if you do encounter him though, he's not. He he's quick to like make a decision. So you don't want to do something that's going to make him mad or angry or something like that. But him hunting down people, I think, would change that image of him a little bit. Parallels. Here we go. So Jabba the Hutt hires Han Solo because he heard about Han Solo's race across the galaxy and he won. So he's got the fastest ship in the galaxy, the Millennium Falcon. Jabba has a crew of bounty hunters. He needs to put on a mission, but he doesn't have a pilot, a la Mandalorian. When Mandalorian got hired as a pilot to to drive around those, uh, you know, Bill Burr and what, yep. uh, what's Mayfeld and whatever, you know, blanking out right now. But yeah, they hire Han Solo to be the ship, and Boba Fett's in the Millennium Falcon, uh, and then that's their kind of fallout. Anyways, I'm just playing yeah. with my toys, guys. I'm just playing with my action figures <laughs> here. Um, you know, <laughs> Put, trying to putting have... his tin hat on over there. No, no, no. <laughs> just having a little bit of fun. So, one thing, Josh, that you said in this in this kind of another offshoot. We're going to offshoot here. I'm going to redirect you guys right now. The Marvel Comics. I have definitely on the last, uh, you know, I read Marvel comics and Josh, I know you got a whole stockpile of them. I will tell you this, and I know I've texted it in the group thread. Uh, and this goes out to any of our listeners that are looking for a good comic series. This Dr. Afra series starting on, I believe it's issue 32 or 33. Um, holy smokes. Is it great? It is you know, Dr. Afra came on the scene and definitely it, it felt like the force awakens of the comic books. It was definitely, you know, she's got a protocol droid that looks like C-3PO. She's got a astromech droid that looks like R2, but they're evil. She's got a Wookiee that looks like Chewbacca, but he's evil. She's kind of evil. Um, and she exists in the sequel trilogy timeline. Okay. So that's what makes this really awesome. But 
I will tell you that starting on issue or not sequel trilogy, OT, the original trilogy. Sorry, um, <laughs> she exists in the original trilogy. Excuse time. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, this is when we shoot from the hip, man. Things get wild. So um, this. I, I'm just I don't want to give away any spoilers, but I have been reading the Dr. Afra series from the beginning, and I will tell you that it feels like a completely different comic. Um, it feels like one of the most original Star Wars storylines. Um, even if you just start, it's called like the uh, the rebel or the uh, Imperial super weapon arc or something. It's something about the super weapon. And once again, I don't want to give it away, but if you guys are looking for a new comic series, it's fantastic. Um, I don't know what Star Wars is going to do with their, you know, they just reinvigorated the storyline. They're going to start telling the storyline between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It's called Destination Hoth. It's actually, the first issue is really good. I don't know what's going to happen, um, so it's too early to tell, but definitely hmm. check out the Dr. Aphra series. It's it's a good read. Um, not necessarily an easy read. Like, some of the comics are kind of, I don't know, really simple, her storylines are pretty complex, and the characters are pretty deep. So I would definitely give that a shot. Have either of you read any Dr. Afro at all? Yeah, I'm in the middle of the first run right now. That's that um, that panel I sent you guys where the guy's like, oh, I'm going to go uh, dump in the Sarlacc or whatever he said. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that, time that to was feed from, the Sarlacc. Yeah, time to feed the Sarlacc. That was from Afra. I'm, I'm like right at that spot. So you've been reading from the beginning? Yes. So I just like... I just read the comic where she tries to sell that green crystal. Okay. Yeah. So I'm pretty, I'm like, I'm probably like nine or like, oh, yeah. no, yeah. I think I'm like 11 or 12 issues in. I like it. I think she's, uh, she's like a more evil female, uh, Han Solo kind of like it meets Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause she's an archeologist. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's super cool. I, I like it. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely recommend that to any listeners, but really, um, you know, uh, beyond that, in the realm of Star Wars comics, um, it's kind of um, the the rise of Kylo Ren comic is terrible. I was noted on the last episode dropping that out, and I know I've texted you guys about it. I think it's just poorly written. I think it's poorly illustrated. Um, there's not much good about it, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. If you start reading it and if you like it, that's cool. I just it it the one thing that annoys me about the the rise of Kylo Ren is that it's supposed to establish the backstory of the Knights of Ren and it just dude i don't know what happened in in this in this storytelling of the Knights of Ren but it is just terrible across the board like it is not good storytelling and it doesn't help that they are absolutely useless in the rise of Skywalker um I don't I don't understand how we can get this cool group that really is no more powerful in the force than the Backstreet Boys. It's just like there's nothing awesome I'd about I'd argue that the Backstreet Boys are stronger in the force they are, than uh, that's a great especially, argument. Especially especially AJ McLean, the bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely have better dance skills. But are they I, are they still I, flying around in the jalopy ship? Yes, in it's the okay. comic. Like, what is up with that? Like, I, I just, what's the, um, what's the song from like Cheech and Chong that, that, that low rider, <laughs> low rider. That's, yes. that's all I can yes. hear in my head when they kept coming into screen in yeah. the rise of Skywalker with smoke billowing yeah. out the back. You know, what's cool though, about that ship outside of it's painted all black and it's got smoke coming out of it, which is something that we rarely see in star Wars. But anyways, right. 
Um, it's a prison transport ship, and I don't know. I don't have enough knowledge of the ships to know if it's a old Republic uh, prison transport ship, which are pretty common. Um, but we also saw a prison transport ship in the Mandalorian. Um, that's what they broke onto for the New Republic. So I actually don't know where the Knights of uh, Ren ship falls in line with that. I'd have to do a little bit more research, but I. Did they, I'm just going to be real with you. I don't care about the Knights of Ren anymore. Did they ever catch anybody and put anybody in it? Because they certainly couldn't catch Ray. <laughs> right. Uh, and there's like Duncan six of them. There's six of them. I'm sorry, Josh. They have terrible names. No, I don't, they can't, I don't like them either. I'm with you. They can't see I wanted out them of their to be, masks. I wanted Gr- them to be Luke's. Grenade face. Like more of Luke's fallen students. Yeah. Well, that's that's a what ri- I thought they were. <clears throat> that I know. Was, that was in your screenplay. I know. Yeah. They were you, originally... Buddy. Yeah, anyways, I'm not even going <laughs> to – I'm like, all right, let's switch gears again. I'm supporting you. I'm not trying to rile you up. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. I appreciate that. But it's a terrible comic, um, the, the Rise of Kylo Ren, which, by the way, side note to that, it was the best-selling comic of 2019, the first issue. Yeah, yeah. I know. Really? And it was only out for like three weeks or something in 2019, which is crazy because – comic or comic all overall? Okay, so that's a good question. It, it it the it was definitely the best-selling Star Wars comic. Now there is a source I'd have to look back um, that is a comic authority whatever and they were like, "Yeah, dude, this sold more than any other comic we sold this year." And that which is crazy because the Maximum Carnage uh, if you guys follow any comics whatsoever, excuse me. There's a uh, there's a comic that was called Maximum Carnage. It's a Spider-Man thing. It was like 25, 30 years later, they just re-released that. Spawn 500 came out or whatever this year. There's a lot of big comics that came out this year. Wasn't the last issue of Walking Dead out this year, too? That's that, true. Yeah. Like, that was the end of the series. So I know. I, I, I bought it the day huge. it came out. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I, I Josh, that's a good question. I got to look into that because the authority that put that out there was definitely – it was like a Kevin Smith level, you know, someone that I would be like, oh, damn, okay, that's crazy. Um, so, I'd have to look into that. All right. Guys, we are Justin. You were not on the last show. Josh was, and we spent a lot of time talking about Duel of the Fates. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Are we gonna get a fan interpretation comic book? Speaking of comics, speaking of Hansel, let's just go. Let's bring it all together. No, are we gonna get um, a fan interpretation of Duel of the Fates? Now, I talked about how I, if I was an animator, I'd love to animate that story. Are we? Are we going to get any type of fan version of this screenplay, or is it just going to ride off into the sunset? I think it's there for people to read and think about what could have been. I don't think you're going to – I mean, it'd be a pretty epic fanfic, but, I mean, that one that one would take a lot. Like, right, it, to, right. I mean, you would have to do, to do it cheaper. I would imagine it would have to be animated. But to do like a live action fan film of that, oh my would, goodness, would be I can't intense. even imagine. Yeah, like you would, uh, th- somebody would have to put a ton of money into that. Um, and I don't know where that would cross as far as Lucasfilm and going, hey, you know, <laughs> oh, you, they, you, yeah, you can't do this, you know what I mean? You've got characters playing Ray and uh, yeah, Kylo yeah. and all this kind of stuff. So I don't think you're going to see anything come of it. I think it's a great read if you've got time. Um, yeah. I didn't go through the whole script. I kind of touched on the notes from it and I listened to what you guys talked about and I looked at the artwork. The artwork was fantastic. Yeah. Um for this and I 
the Tor Valum, the Tor Valum thing, alien thing, whatever. It's the same head that kind of pops up in Force Awakens in the dark when they're walking through the desert and has the eyes. Mm-hmm. He's also in the yep, cantina. Yep, it's yep. whatever. It looks like whatever species that is. But I thought that was a really interesting take and would have been mm. a huge, huge plot twist at the end of yeah. this movie. And and the reason I say that is because we view Palpatine as the big bad, right? Um, but if you learn in the last movie that there is somebody else out there that has been pulling the strings the mm-hmm. entire time and in control of Palpatine – that there's somebody bigger and badder than him who looks like a decaying blob, essentially, yeah, at least from yeah. this pick. Like, and he's 10,000 years old. I, to me, that would have been a bigger shocker because when, you know, Snoke comes up, you're like, who the heck's that guy? Right? right. And then we got Snoke in the second one, and then he gets killed off. But to introduce this character at the last movie and go, there is somebody out there worse than Palpatine, and Palpatine is really the apprentice, yeah. that would have been huge. That would have been huge. Yeah. And and you could have done a, a lead-in story for Tor Valum, right? Like, like they did with the Plagueis. There's a Plagueis novel, sure, right? It's sure. not canon anymore, but there is a Plagueis novel out there, out there that you can read. There is a... Um, there's a what Tarkin. There's a Tarkin novel out there, right? Yeah. That kind of oh, talks yeah. about his change from Clone Wars into where he became, where he is in the Empire now. I just think that would have been a huge twist at the end of that movie, or if he was introduced there. And I thought it was, um, I thought it was interesting. The artwork was great. Um, there's a lot of things that I liked in the script that we didn't get. And I'm going off on a tangent here. Sorry. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, I love it. There's a lot of stuff that I think you read in that script, and we talked about it pre-show, that when you compare it to what you got in The Rise of Skywalker, it's it's easy to look back and say, oh, yeah, I like this better, right? But if you were to get both scripts on your desk fully written out at the exact same time and you read through both of them at the exact same time, are people going to go, I like this one, you know, script A, this one better, or do I like Rise of Skywalker better. And when you hear them and see them at the exact same time, I think you're still going to get that split between the fans that go, I like this one better, or I like this one better. But I think there's things that you can take from both that people really, really like or really, really don't like and put together kind of the best movie that you could form. Um, but that's that was just kind of my take on it. it, it hindsight's twenty twenty with this kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'll tell you, dude, that question that you just posed uh, is so fascinating. If you were the executive, you're Kathleen Kennedy, and you have you have both of those scripts. I mean, that is a that's a huge choice because that is yeah. the future of your franchise. That is a billion dollar movie. I'm gonna tell you what, and Josh, you act, asked this before is you know, if this movie Duel of Fates came out, how would you know certain pockets of fandom react or whatever? I'm telling you, it, regardless of what movie came out, if it if if she chose Duel of the Fates or chose Rise of Skywalker, it was still gonna make a billion dollars. It was still gonna be a, a, a moneymaker, but I think for me being pure Star Wars fan guy, whatever, I mean, put me in whatever bucket you want to, Duel of the Fates read as more Star Wars, more mysterious, um, and gave us more homage to the all 
eight movies leading up to this. Um, even, I even mean, the title, the title it, took it way yeah. back to the first one with, with uh, the song for you, Duel of the Fate. It, like you, you have Kylo, great. he severs his relationship with Vader, has to battle Vader in the cave. You have, you're right, you bring in Palpatine with the holocron scene, and then Palpatine has a more evil master. You bring in the um, the larger the larger force in going to Mortis and having the battle on Mortis, you, you give a logical explanation of how the resistance has to rebuild and find all the allies with the old Republic beacon and the Jedi temple on Coruscant. What? Like (laughs) everything made sense in the larger scheme of, of the eight films preceding this. Now, like I said earlier, we don't have a novelization. So I don't know if my thoughts on the rise of Skywalker are going to change after the novelization, but I'll be damned if I had both those scripts on my desk that I wouldn't have picked Duel of Fates. And I, I'm telling you right now, I would have picked that a hundred times out of a hundred compared to Rise of Skywalker. And yes, I am wearing a Rise of Skywalker hoodie right now as I'm saying this. Still a Star Wars fan, guys. I'm not, you know, I'm not going away. I'm not making crazy YouTube videos. I'm still going to buy Rise of Skywalker the moment it comes out and probably watch it a hundred times. What I'm saying is, in the context of linear storytelling across eight preceding chapters, Duel of Fates made more sense. That is the script I would take off the off my desk. I have responses to what you both said. I'm going to go backwards though. Um, I'm I'm on board with. With Chris, I think that this one, I th- and I said this on the previous episode, it it fits the other two movies, especially Last Jedi, so much better. And I think that's one of the things that re- like really makes it work. Um, and um, the other thing is, yes, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we don't really know um, like what we wanted or what we didn't want, you know prior to seeing the script, but there is one thing in this movie that I did want before rise of Skywalker that we didn't get. And I was kind of bummed about and that, well, it's kind of two things, but in one is force ghost Luke training Ray and force ghost Luke messing with Kylo. Yeah. Like those were huge missed opportunities. And that's, I I mean, they even, I mean, they, like they directly set that up with, you know, see you later, kid. Painfully obvious and, setup. Painfully obvious setup. We already have, to some extent, we already have, you know, the precedent of a forest ghost that's close to someone, um, like training them with Obi-Wan mm-hmm. and Luke. Um, right. And we already have precedent, kind of, it, precedent for us, but probably not for, not for casuals, but like Jason Solo wasn't redeemed before he died. So like right, you can exactly. do it. It's yes. been done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's kind of an allegory for Ben Solo anyway. I mean, I, I don't, I think that they, they're pull They pulled some of Kylo from snippets. Oh, of, absolutely. Of did. Absolutely. Did. Sure. Yeah. So, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm done. T- Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really, actually, I really liked that arc in the script was making Kylo worse not trying to redeem him. So, I actually yes. I really yes. enjoyed that because his whole thing in The Force Awakens was he was going to finish what he, Anakin did not and exactly. he was going to become worse than Anakin was. That was his whole goal in Force Awakens and I think when you pushed him 
per the script where he reveals that he kills Ray's parents and there is no coming back for him. Right. He is right. done. He's moved. He is full Sith. Right. There's no saving him. I actually really liked that because now you clearly have that he is bad. There is a, a dichotomy between mm-hmm. good and evil, and that's it. There's no gray area with these people. It's good and evil. Now, Kyle did say something in the show that I really liked. I liked going back to Mortis. Um, I liked them duking it out, but I really liked them essentially being trapped in kind of a representation role of the brother, yes. the sister, yes. and the father. My yes. only question was who would the father be in that scenario? And Clearly, I don't think it's Palpatine. Well, I was actually going to make a joke about Palpatine being the I, daddy. But, you big know. Papa Palpatine? Yeah, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> but I, I don't see it being him no, because it, no, he it's is not strictly him. Not evil. Him. I really like, though, like his his Kyle's idea was, was great. I, I like him being kind of trapped there because it's just like, um, you know, in Avengers, right, when they're, I think it's... um. Age of Ultron, they're storming the castle and like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch come out, come come out and you hear um, Cap say, we've got an enhanced on the field, right? It changes a battle when you introduce somebody like a Jedi or a Sith into the into the yeah. field of play, right? When you remove both of them and now you have resistance and you have uh, uh, the first order right? It's a level playing field for the most part. Yes, the First Order is large, but the Resistance fights with something different than what the First Order does. First Order fights with size and volume and intimidation, um, whereas the Resistance fights with each other, and they fight with heart, and they fight for what is good and morally right uh, in in the Star Wars universe. And I think when you remove the Enhanced it mm-hmm. creates a level playing field. So them being trapped in Mortis with whoever the father figure is and kind of going back into this shell, right? Like in Clone Wars where they're just off on their own and nobody really knows about them. Um, and that is the balance of the force. I I thought that was a great idea and I think that would have been a great way to end it. I don't know how you directly end that but, or get them trapped there, but I thought that take was very, very interesting. Um, and I... I this is going to sound really weird. Um, I got a lot of, re, you know, looking at the script in the notes, I got a lot of the Lord of the Rings out of uh-huh. that script. I don't know if you guys got Stop that or it. not. It, it, well, somewhat, listen, hear me out. Don't do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, let's do it. So in, in, <laughs> in Rise of Skywalker, they all stay together, right? But in this script, they clearly go separate ways. One goes to light the beacon, which is Finn and Rose, which in Lord of the Rings, they go light the fires that indicate, oh, yeah. hey, this is what's going on, right? You have the ring bearers, which is Ray and Ben eventually meeting up on Mortis, which Mortis begins with M, like Mordor, yeah, that's right? right. That's so right. I, you take them in very separate directions, um, and while the Lord of the Rings, the end is a happy one, it's still kind of sad in the end because you've got uh, uh, Frodo going off and you know with the elves to basically die and retire. Right, right. Um, and and I think that's kind of the same thing that you could see here, where hey, Ray was this great person. You've got Finn and Poe remembering. You know they get a victory over the First Order. Things are a little bit more balanced now, but they remember their friend uh, who basically sacrificed herself to save them. And I, I think that's what, you know, Frodo and Lord of the Rings did. He sacrificed himself because he he could not live in the world that he lived in anymore with what he had to endure. 
through those movies, right? But I, I found a lot of similarities um, between the two. And I, it's not an exact cut and dry, hey, this is Lord of the Rings. No, it's not. There's extrapolations Good. from that that yeah. I can see in this script that we did not see in The Rise of Skywalker. It's an epic journey. It's an epic hero's journey. And I, in since you said that, I, t- I absolutely agree. That's a great comparison as far as tales go. Even, There's even not, enough, the po- not enough walking. <laughs> no, they, yeah, they use ships instead of walking everywhere. Yeah, but right. even even to the point where, like, I know they talk about the, um, I think Luke stop, grabs the lightsaber. He grabs Kylo's yes. lightsaber and he's dead, right? In oh. Lord of the Rings, when Aragon goes and recruits the um, damned souls, right? Mm. And he swings the, the ghost swings the store, sword and Aragon yeah. stops it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you have, I, and I can't remember the sword, to be honest. I'm not that big of a Lord of the Rings fan. But um, he stops it, and he's like, oh, whoa, you've got the sword, right? And he recruits the ghost to help him. So in the script, he's recruiting, er, er, I don't want to say recruiting, but Obi-Wan and Anakin and Luke are on the side of Rey trying to help her even in that respect. So I, again, I see similarities with what's in Lord of the Rings to what this script was suggesting. I um when I first heard Kyle's theory of them staying on Mortis to be the brother and sister, I was kind of like, I don't think that that's a smart ending to have your like heroine be gone too. But then I thought, well, no, Hollywood loves Messiah endings. I die so that yes. you can live, yep. which yep. I most of the time hate because it's usually a character I love doing the martyrdom. Um, you know, but so I, yeah, no, I could totally see, I could totally see that working. Um, I, yeah, I, I was, I was, was not about it at first, but it, it makes more sense now that I think about it. Well, it gives longevity to these characters as well. If you have them trapped in this ethereal realm where they are now the, the cosmic force of light versus dark, they don't cease to exist until the next light or dark users replace them, right? So Disney can continue to sell more toys. You don't have to have this awkward scene at Galaxy's Edge where Kylo Ren's still running around with the First Order. You can have, you know, of course I'm just joking around right now, but (laughs) there is larger implications to killing off Ben Solo after hashtag Ben Demption. Um, Because, I mean, yeah, we're going to get a Ben Solo Black Series figure, but what stories can you tell now? I mean, they really... As much as they would write themselves into kind of an odd spot having Ray and Ben be the or Ray and Kylo Ren, not Ben Solo, but Kylo Ren be the light in the dark, I think they wrote themselves into a weirder spot with with having Ben Solo die at the end of Rise of Skywalker. And we'll see what the long-term implications of this are. But I really think having the eternal having Ray and, and Kylo Ren be the eternal light versus dark balance just opens up even more mythology and more of a mystique to star Wars and, and actually gives it a larger life versus such right. an insular, like, you know, this is a, a love story and Romeo and Juliet, whatever. I mean, how, whatever you want to say, the ending to rise of Skywalker was, I think if they did become one with the force and become the, the balance that, that only yep. tells stories for generations to come. Yep. And you can introduce the legend of Ray and Kylo exactly. or however you want. Um, two quick notes just from that same thing as well. I, I know a lot of people get hung up on 
Ray was a Skywalker. Ray's a power. Well, Ray is a Skywalker now. She was a Palpatine, and where the name came from. But um, I, I think it could have also been interesting too, is if you took Ray because Anakin was clearly created from something whether it was Palpatine manipulating the force to create Anakin, whether it was the force being the physical embodiment and putting itself into Anakin. And he just made a choice and went the wrong way. The Bendu in rebels clearly states he is not good. He is not evil. Exactly. He is the physical embodiment of the force. Yes. He is not on anybody's side. And he makes that very clear. Now, when Kanan pisses him off, Yep. He turns into that giant lightning storm and just wreaks havoc on everybody, Imperial and the rebels. Like he's attacking right. all right. of them because he's not happy with what he sees going on. So as a representation of the force, he tries to, uh, what do I want to say? Like Armageddon, right? What he mm-hmm. sees and wipe it clean. And he's just a physical embodiment of the force, which is why I think when Ray doesn't know her name, Right, we didn't have to necessarily make her a Palpatine or make her True. a Skywalker. Why couldn't she have just been another physical embodiment of the Force in trying to bring back balance to what has been lost? And to me, I think that could have been a very interesting story. Um, and then I know, I think <laughs> you guys got to talking about the Rule of Two for the yeah, Sith a little bit, right? a little bit, yeah. And where I where I was talking about Torvalum earlier, right, with him being the big bad and Palpy being uh, the apprentice, yeah. there is so many records of more than two being around through for all sure. of for, for sure. all of the movies. Yes. Because going in a timeline, right, Palpy had Maul. Yep. Maul had his brother. Okay. Yep. He was like, Oh, I'm Palpy's apprentice, but I'm gonna recruit my brother. We're going to overtake the emperor, and then we'll be the new ones, right? Then he had – well, Maul gets killed, right? So then Palpy had Dooku. Yep. Dooku has Asajj Ventress, right? And he – Grievous isn't in there because Grievous couldn't use the force, yeah, but he did right. train him how to use sabers. But Asajj Ventress knew how to use the force. So again, here's Master, Apprentice, and like henchmen trying to overtake exactly. the main one. And exactly. then after Dooku, Palpy had Vader. Vader, it's not really, I don't know that it's still getting, had Starkiller. He was grooming Starkiller to help him to overtake the Emperor in the video game, correct? correct. Yes. Okay. And then after, after that, um, after Vader dies, Palpy has, what we learn now, has Snoke, mm-hmm. which is his clone, right? Snoke then has Kylo. And he goes, hey, you know, with the two of us, we could also overtake Palpy. And then if you have Torvalum, Torvalum would have Palpy, and Palpy would have Snoke slash Kylo. Right. So there's there's a long record of Master Apprentice totally. and third man in line waiting to overtake whoever the Master is, which is why I don't think it was super far-fetched to introduce Torvalum that late as being the big bad. It's not far fetched, Justin. I Here, it's not at all. It's my not at my all. Tinfoil here's hat. my no, here's my counter nitpick to your nitpick. Go ahead. So all of all of your third man ex- examples were not Darths. They were not official Siths. But True. if if Palpy has a has a master and then also has apprentices, all of his official apprentices were Darths. Right. Yeah, I so, see what you're saying. But if so, any of them had 
let's say let's say you don't even if you don't introduce Torvalum right in this last part. Let's say Palpy yeah. is the big bad, right? Any one of those, if they be if they become the usurper, right, and they knock Palpatine off, now Maul is the master and his brother is the apprentice, right? right. Or Dooku is the master and Asajj is the apprentice, right? And it's Yes, so now there are two, but eventually Asajj is going to go out looking for somebody because she wants to become the big bad. That's always the epic struggle of the Sith is that they want to rule. They want to be in charge. They want all of the power. And the only way that they get there is knowing that they're the top dog by usurping whoever the top dog is. And I think if you introduced Tor Valum and Palpy is the apprentice knowing how bad he is but could not – overtake yeah, Tor yeah, Valum, yeah. that makes Tor Valum a really bad dude and a right. really knowledgeable force user. And maybe the only reason Palpatine was chasing eternal life is because Tor Valum somehow exists forever. And, and Palpatine was like, dude, I can't defeat this guy. The only yeah. way I can beat him is if I outlive him. So he's chasing eternal life through Plagueis. Dude, yeah, I love this. Yeah. No, Justin, on the last episode, I didn't have a chance to elaborate because, I mean, yeah, we talked for 17 hours on the last episode. <laughs> but everything that you just said tonight, I couldn't elaborate on on the show because I was just so deep in emotion. Um, so with that, I mean, we are definitely going to talk more about Duel of the Fates. We're definitely going to mm. talk more Rise of Skywalker. I I had a lot of restraint on today's episode to not go Duel of the Fates because I'm still shook. I'm still absolutely shook by this treatment. And it is, it is absolute, absolutely changing my perception of my my beliefs I've held on to for so long about how I felt about Last Jedi, how I felt about the the cinematic universe as a whole. Um, this is definitely, to me, it's rattled me to my Star Wars core. And uh, I would be lying if, if I said I haven't been thinking about this damn script every day uh, <laughs> since I read it, you know? But, and it's just like... But if you had the Trevorrow script, you would not have Babu Frick. Uh, yeah, you are right. But maybe, I'm however, keep in mind, yes, yes <laughs> and no, Neil Scanlon, who designs all the characters and creatures, uh, he might have had – who who knows who true. is getting yeah. credit for Babu Frick. But you, we might not have gotten that awesome, uh, hey, hey, yeah, that's <laughs> you know, for sure. But yeah. Um, yeah, this is definitely a tough one. This is uh, one that we got to pick apart as time goes on. Uh, but yeah, I use full restraint on today's episode. But, but that's what that's what makes this fun is having these kind of discussions about it. And it's just more Star Wars that we get to talk about it. It's Friday night and I'm I'm sitting here talking Star Wars with my dudes. Exactly. So it's, that's exactly. An awesome, makes for an awesome weekend. Hell yeah. We need Trevorrow to just finish it and release it as fanfic so we can have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. It's hashtag release the Trevorrow cut, right? There you go. All right, guys. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. I got a really good feeling about this. Okay, so yeah, this is our first ever shoot from the hip episode where we just kind of went off on nine million tangents, mainly Han Solo. Mainly, <laughs> it was uh, great though. It, it was, was so good. great. 
That was entertaining. It, it goes by so fast, guys. And it, you know, yeah, we we do long episodes, but clearly it's because we have a passion about Star Wars. We have a passion about everything going on, and we're definitely, you know, we have we have great imaginations, and it leads us to some really great conversations. And I love having these conversations with you guys. I. If we weren't cutting this short for the sake of commutable podcasts for our listeners, I could probably talk about that script for another three hours tonight, right? So it's. I had a subject I wanted to bring up that I that I tabled. Okay. That was completely separate from anything that we talked about. So. Save it for the next one. Save it for the next shoot from the hip episode. Um, one thing I want to give a shout out on is that the Star Wars friends, uh, some of us are going to be at the Motor City Comic Con coming up in Detroit, Michigan, um, which is in May. I believe it's May 15th through the 17th. I know I'll that be there. Correct. Josh, you'll be there. Um, yep. So we're going to see if we can do a live podcast. I'm going to hit up the venue and see if we can do something from there. If not, we're doing a live podcast from whatever hotel I book. So just be <laughs> be ready for that um so you can catch us there motor city comic con it's a great comic con in uh in the outskirts of detroit michigan may 15th through the 17th and then someone on our show this week got his hands on some star wars celebration tickets i just want to give a round of applause to josh who is going to be joining us at star wars celebration this year um we are also going to try to get on that star wars podcast panel we're going to definitely if we don't do that or even if we do do that we're going to set up a podcast uh where we're staying at we'll release those details as we get closer to celebration um but josh we're happy to have you join us on this uh on this journey it's going to be awesome having you there very excited about that um and we hope to meet a lot of you guys at at star wars celebration that's what it's all about that's where i met that both both dudes on this show right now i met at celebration last year so we would love to hang out with you i know i'm excited i pre-ordered some merch last night um i'm like giddy about it and we're still like what seven months away or something yeah, we, crazy like I, that i did the same i pre-ordered the merch it's not even going to be here till july <laughs> i was like ah oh, man yeah I, i'm i'm actually really okay with it being in august because i thought it, like when we first started talking about this and like me trying to figure out how to get on i was like yeah. april i can't do april that's so soon and then right? i was like oh i have like three extra months to save money exactly and, yeah no this is totally doable i'm i'm all in so super excited about that. We're going to try to get more uh, destination podcasts going. I know I'm going to be in Columbus where you're at, Justin, uh, in, in about a month and a half. Try to set something up there. I got a couple ideas uh, in mind for that. But really, we you know we want to get out in the community and, and start doing these things with you guys. And we want to bring you uh, on board and do some live shows where we can have you part of it. And until then, you can always connect with us on social at SW Friends Show on Twitter, SW Friends Show on Instagram, SW Friends Show on Facebook. Facebook, all the major social media outlets. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a beautiful review. And uh, we definitely want to connect with you guys. If you have questions, hit us up, show at StarWarsFriends.com. We would love to read your questions and answer to the, them live on the show. I think that's a lot of fun. We've done shows like that in the past. Um, but really, if you want to connect with us individually, we're accessible. You can find me on social media at no one is Chris. Where can they find you guys at? I'm Josh, and I am Battle of Tanab on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Justin. You can find me on Twitter at I am the Bendu. And I definitely I appreciate everyone that's connected with us. I know a lot of people have connected with me because they listen to our show. So thank you. That's what this is all about. Star Wars community. Um, let's just keep growing this thing, man. Let's add some more Star Wars friends to the mix. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys. So with that, our first shoot from the hip episode is in the books. Uh, let's have a good night. Uh, May the force be with you all. Always. Always.